Hey, girl, do you think we can get through this one today without stopping three times like we did last week? No promises. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Patricia. You guys, welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where Ellen Marsh and I tell the stories of missing people by recapping the episode of IDs Disappeared that covered their case. Hi, girl. Hi, my love. How are you? I'm good, you guys. Once again, I got to thank everybody who's joined the drama club by joining our Patreon. We're at like, I don't know, we're over 4,000 members. We're making bonus episodes for you on the weekly, you guys. We've got our first Patreon true crime trivia coming up on Friday, February 3rd, girl. I think it's the fifth. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Is everything okay over there? It's you Friday. okay over there? Okay. No, I'm just checking. You know, yep. I always worry about you. Fr- fr- <laughs> Are you excited for trivia? I am so excited. I don't know if the listeners know, but I have a Broadway trivia league in the before times yes. that I used to host and run. And now I get to do a true crime trivia and hang out with all my besties on Zoom. I'm so excited. Also, I'm just excited to mute you. I know. <laughs> I don't think we're going to give you the mute power for the Zoom trivia, but we'll see. We'll see. Bitch, first of all. <laughs> That's just how I'm going to approach you from now on. No matter what you say, bitch, first of all. Good. I look forward to it. So you guys, if you're looking for more Ellen and me, join the Patreon. Three bonus episodes per month. We are doing Snapped right now. These ladies are bananas, girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Bananas is a word. Also, you guys, join the Facebook group, Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. Come find your true crime friends. Learn about other podcasts and, you know, other true crime stuff. Share your dog memes ask for advice. It's all going down in the Facebook group. I love the Facebook group. Mostly they just keep us accountable. And by we, I mean you. Yeah. Yeah. They come for us daily. It's great. Hey. What? What? Could you make yourself useful and tell them about the Instagram? Oh, yeah. I just, I I never know when it's my turn to talk because all I see is your mouth moving. And then I, (laughs) that's kind of what it sounds like. And then I just jump in with like, yeah, girl, tell them. I know, right? That's pretty much all I'm here for. Good. But join us on our Instagram page. The Disappeared Pod on Friday night, 6 p.m. Eastern. We go live where we talk about the previous week's episode. We take your questions. Patricia has a drink or nine. And we (laughs) hang out and we just talk to all of our friends. It's actually a blast. It's honestly like one of the highlights of my week, Friday Night Live. All right, you guys. Disappeared Season 3, Episode 9 of Family's Curse tells the story of the disappearance of Ray Gricar. A high-powered district attorney known for locking up the worst offenders. He put an awful lot of people away into prison for homicides. Just before his retirement, Ray Gricar takes a drive and never returns. This is not like him. It's unusual behavior. As a river yields ominous clues. Somebody had some motivation to destroy the computer. Ray's family experiences troubling deja vu. My brother and I both thought at the time, here we go again. New discoveries force police to expand their scope. One individual identified him speaking with a female. The case goes cold 
Until it's revealed, Ray was involved in the original Penn State football investigation. But there are many, many theories about whether the web was so tight that he could have been pulled into it. So, girl, the first thing that Christopher tells us is that it's tax day morning, Friday, April 15th, 2005. I said, is tax day a thing people say? Yeah, absolutely. As soon as he said tax day, I was like, April 15th. (laughs) See... Uh-huh. When people in the world have jobs for yeah. most of their life, they yeah. file these things called tax returns. Mm-hmm. And tax returns are always due on April 15th. You're going to get a big boy job one day, sweetheart. I know you are. <laughs> Today is not going to be that day. All I know is that like 10 years ago, I married a very handsome and smart and financially responsible man who handles all of these things for me. So somewhere in a shower in Manhattan, Steve is banging his head against the wall. Yeah. Every time <laughs> I compare your marriage to my marriage financially, I always say, I was the Steve. Right. And you're like, oh, right, right, right. When you live in my house, also every day is tax day. Like, I just basically give my money to Steve and get an allowance. Yeah, I mean, honestly, sweetheart, you can't, you really can't be trusted. It's not a big allowance, you guys. It's enough for like a couple days worth of vodka. That's all I get, girl. Can I have Dunkin' Donuts one day? Just screaming, begging for an everything bagel. Please. It's tax day morning. Friday, April 15th. 2005, and Center County, Pennsylvania's top crime fighter, District Attorney Ray Grecar, is still in bed. He awakens as his live-in girlfriend gets ready for work. I said, it's time to get up. And he said, I don't think I'm going to go to work today. I think I'm going to take today off. I said, fine, good for you. So we learned that Ray Grecar lives with his girlfriend, Patty Fornicola. Why they kept calling it his live-in girlfriend, I have no idea. But anyway, they wake up on tax day, which is April 15th, honey. (laughs) Um, And Ray was like, yeah, I'm going to take the day off today. To which she says, good for you. I just wrote, this sounds suspicious, girl. This sounds a little scoop scandalous to me, you guys. Did it? Yeah. I was like, you guys, he's the DA. He's the head law enforcement person in his county in Pennsylvania. He's just taking Friday off? I, I didn't think it was that weird. I was like, good on you. Let's all adopt a little more of a European sensibility to the way that we work and keep ours. So Patty, the girlfriend, tells us that. We had a wonderful relationship. I think for both of us, We finally found our soulmate. We found the person who was perfect. He really enjoyed just quiet times and just being together. One of the things that Patty really loves about Ray is that he, quote, really enjoyed the quiet times, to which I said, oh, my God, death. (laughs) What is that? Death. Patty also says that... (laughs) One second. (laughs) Uh Sorry, I'm going to get... Sorry, if I could have a... She says they were soulmates. And I was like, Patty, soulmates are not real. There's no romantic destiny. We meet people based on the proximity theory. Soulmates don't exist. Have you guys ever met a more scarred human than <laughs> Oh my God. Soulmates don't exist. You got anything to say about the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus, girl? Do you think soulmates... Do you see... I can't even... 
Do you think soulmates exist? I do, yes. Do you know the proximity theory? Uh-uh. The proximity theory is you are friends and partners with the people that are around you. You know, whoever you sat next to, third grade science class, that was just a coincidence just because he ended up being your best man 20 years later doesn't mean he's your favorite person. It's a proximity theory. Your outlook on life has gotten really sad, girl. <laughs> Everybody Google the proximity theory and come back to me with your idea. Well, number one, you say proximity theory like it's a magical thing. You're basically just saying you're friends with the people who live on your street. Like, that makes sense to me. But, like, we don't know that goddess or the universe didn't put the houses on the street next to each other in such a way that you meet your soulmate at the right time and place. I literally don't know who you are right now. (laughs) Well, you know what? Right back at you. I mean, soulmates don't exist. Let's go on. Oh my God, shit. You know what? I had one fuck left today. I had one fuck and we're, t- we're, we're 12 minutes in and I already lost it. Um, so uh, Patty knows that there's work to do. She actually goes to work on that Friday morning. Patty works in the same office as Ray at the Center County Courthouse in downtown Belfont, Pennsylvania. So they worked in the same courthouse. Oh my God, wait, there's that proximity theory again. They worked in the same courthouse. Okay, yes, that is where they found their soulmate. So anyway. (laughs) I just, your next one woman show, if it's not called Damaged Goods, I'm not coming. (laughs) I'm not coming. I have like all of my ex-boyfriends listen to this podcast, by the way. I am friends with all of my exes except for one. And they all listen to this podcast. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Hey, at least you made her funny. God. (laughs) And you can also subscribe to the Patreon. That's the least you can do for me. Okay. (laughs) So we learned that this guy Ray's been the DA for 20 years. He's about to retire at the end of his term. So like he's had this like long, awesome career. Ray has served as DA there for almost 20 years. But in January 2004, he announced that after his sixth term, he would retire at age 60. Ah, uh, he's got eight months to go. And like they say, he's not going to do that thing where like, you know, in like his twilight years, he takes like a super lucrative job in a private practice. Like he and Patty are going to like real quietly because Patty likes it quiet. They're going to travel around the country and like do the traveling and go on the trips and see their family. It sounds like they've got an awesome life ahead of them. Um, I actually thought that was a really nice sentiment. He's like, no, you know, as Americans and it is American culture. Oh, pull we- over. It's a little <laughs> early, but pull over every. Everybody. We're getting a culture lecture again. No, it's not, it's not a pullover. You don't need to pull over. It's just we we work. Hello, you. We work long hours. We don't take enough vacations. We work way past retirement years. I think that's a really awesome thing that he's like, you know what? I've worked and then I'm going to enjoy my life at 60. 60 is not old. He's still got plenty of stallion, quiet stallion years left in him. <laughs> I just... You guys, just any time you hear Ellen begin a sentence with we as Americans, you know what you got to do. You're going to want to put the blinker on, give the screen to the kids, and just pull off the highway. We as Americans. You're a little too mouthy for me today. <laughs> yeah. So we learned that over the course of his tenure, he's seen like many high profile cases dealing with like lots of dangerous people. They're just kind of like laying the groundwork that like, look, it wouldn't be that weird if a guy in his position went missing. He made a lot of enemies over the years. One such case the largest drug bust in his county's history, began just two weeks earlier. Ray ended up front and center, even though he wasn't directly involved. 
So we're back to the day he disappears. Friday, April 15th. It's 11.30 a.m. And Patty tells us that she was filling in for the receptionist in the office. And Ray calls and she answers. Patty makes a point to tell us that he seemed startled that she answered the phone. I answered and it was Ray. And he seemed startled that I had picked up the phone. And um, he said, I'm on 192. And I won't be able to come home and take care of the dog. I said, fine. No problem. He's like, I'm driving on Route 92, so you know that one thing you asked me to do today, that right. one favor you asked out yeah. of my entire day that I'm taking off that you're still working, which was to take the dog out? Yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah, not going to. It's a hard pass on that, Patty. And this is where they start to tell us about his Mini Cooper. He had a fun car, a red Mini Cooper. And um, it was a nice day. And the roads that he went down were country roads. You know, 192 is a country road. It's uh, through farmland, it's hilly, it's ideal driving road. Ray cherishes these days off. He called it playing hooky. He calls these days playing hooky. Christopher feels like he invented that term. I'm like, girl. That's what I said. I was like, I literally wrote, we we all call it that, Christopher. (laughs) Yeah, so the drive on Route 192 in Pennsylvania is super, you know, country roads, farm, Amish. The road was vast. Oh! So, you know, I love going for a drive. He loves going for a drive. I get it. You do love driving. You will come drop something off at my house, like, just to get out of the house. I do. I have this one thing from the office for you. I know. I really, I, I enjoy a drive. It's true. So that night at 5.10 p.m., Patty gets home and Ray is not there. And she's like, well, I don't know. I thought just maybe he's tied up at a sports bar somewhere, gone to a movie. I was like, must be nice, D.A. Like the literal, like highest ranking law enforcement person in the county. Just go to a bar, see a movie. But it also should be noted that they got off the phone that day and they said, I love you. And that was the last time they spoke. I don't know. And that always hits me hard whenever they say that on any episode. Patty gets home from work at the usual hour, expecting to see Ray. But he isn't there. Patty heads over to the local YMCA to work out at the gym. Two hours later, she returns. We're told two hours later she returns home. Two hours Patty's working out at the Y. Yeah, Patty probably works out like me where I do like three (laughs) squats and then like I play on my phone for 20 minutes. And then like I walk to some weights. I'm like, those look heavy. Oh, oh, Patty loves her time at the Y. She loves it. She's always there. Two hours minimum. She sits in the shower, takes a steam. I love a steam room. Not for the reasons that you love a steam room. (laughs) I am not a steam room gay, but the shenanigans, girl. The oh, shenan- <laughs> I've heard. I've heard. So Patty calls Ray a bunch of times and it keeps going to voicemail. She's like, hmm, I was just at the gym for a simple two hours. I don't right. <laughs> I don't know where she is. And so around eight o'clock, she starts to get worried. And she's like calling every couple minutes now. And it just keeps going to voicemail. Twelve hours have passed since she last heard from Ray. She dials 911. To me, and it was an emergency. This is not like him. It's unusual behavior. You know, they know who I am. They know who Ray is. So they quickly responded. She wakes until 11 o'clock to call the cops. I was like, that seems like a little long. Like, no one has seen or heard from him since 1130 when he was startled. Right. When he called the office and she answered the phone. Like, 11 o'clock. Right. And so when she calls 911, they all know who Ray is. And this officer, Daryl Zachany, says... Is that the ginger? He's adorable. 
The ginger, yeah. No, he he says, well, it was a brother and they knew who it was. So like, Ray? Oh my God, Ray, the DA? Didn't he take today off? Yeah, it is immediately all hands on deck. This is a brother law enforcement officer, you know, and it's, it's just natural. You want to take care of your own. And obviously because he was driving on the mountain roads, especially with all the deer and stuff in this area, very easily for a deer to run out across the road in front of him forcing him off the road. The ginger cop is saying that he's afraid because Ray is kind of an adventurous driver in his little Mini Cooper, and he's afraid he had an accident in the Mini Cooper. And I was like, everyone calm down. Like, can we not? Let's not go zipping around the Pennsylvania back roads with the Amish and the cows going 90 miles an hour in our Mini Coopers. Can we just not do that? Also, Mini Coopers are fantastic cars. I used to have one. I remember. They're great cars. Did you lose it in the divorce? That's a real question. I did. Travis kept it. He did? Yeah. He's like, right, I'm British, so's this fucking car. Go fuck yourself, I'm keeping it, bye-bye. Yeah. Plus, he's so, like, slight and just, like, fit that he can just get, like, like right into You know what I mean? Like, he can just, like, Okay, I'm it. in the middle of an emotional spiral just from, like, what's <laughs> happening in the world. Yeah. So if you can back up off talking about my ex-husband for, I don't know, five to, like, 20 seconds. Sure. I mean, I didn't give him the abs. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not my fault. Oh, my God. It's never going to end. <laughs> You know what? It's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault for marrying him and giving you all of this content. It's my fault. Honestly, I I really took uh-huh. my divorce to heart and thought about how it affects me, but it affected you as well. And for that, yeah. I'm sorry. It really seems like you've made your peace with this. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I'm, thank I'm you really so much. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Uh, what's that last stage of grief? Anyway, so... <laughs> You really, you're really working through your shit. I love you. So, you guys, like, this does smack of Breckenridge. He's been gone for, like, 11 hours. They've already got an airplane in the sky, girl. Yeah. Sparing no expense. Yeah, they got an aircraft looking along Route 92. I mean, thank goodness for the red car. Can everyone get a red car? But I feel like we've been through this in other episodes where I'm like, you can't see a car from the air, sis. Like, that's not how air... Like, the whole point of being in an airplane is that you're really fucking far away from the ground. Also, did we mention the car is called... There's Mini in the title. <laughs> it's quite literally a small car. It's yeah. a demi-car. <laughs> so I feel like that was a real waste of resources. But hey, everyone's taking the day off, so who cares? But also in the very Scoops Danielness of it all, not only is this search statewide now, it is countrywide. They have sent out smoke signals to all neighboring states and communities all around. Like, they're gonna find this guy. I mean, like... They're like, missing rich white guy. Missing rich white guy. All hands on deck. And we know him. We know him. We know this one. (laughs) It's a code white, you guys. Code white. (laughs) Code white. So the next morning is April 16th, and they call his daughter, Lara, who now lives in Washington State, and alert her of what's going on. And, you know... Can you say her name again? Lara. How you spelling that, sis? L-A-R-A. Lara. Is that right? Yeah. No, it is right. No, you are right. Oh, God. I got to eat a bunch of shit right now. I was really about to make fun of you. You were literally going to come for me for pronouncing her name right? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, I digress, ladies and gentlemen, and those of you who have yet to make up your minds. Uh, Oh, anyway, so they start again. It is code whatever. They're pinging his cell phone. They're in the air. They've got dogs. But we also learned that this 
isn't the first time that Ray just up and vanished. I knew once that without telling anyone, he drove to Cleveland, went to a Cleveland Indians baseball game, was at his desk Monday morning. It was confirmed by an ex-wife. Ray had just gotten fed up with things. He needed a break. This made me so fucking mad. He just up and drove to Cleveland and went to an Indians game because he, quote, needed a break. And didn't tell anybody. Like, didn't tell his wife, didn't tell his kids, didn't tell the cops, his friends. And they say he showed up at work on Monday morning. And I'm like, you can't do that. Like, I've been through a lot emotionally with this podcast. Like, you can't just remember that girl Leah from the other episode? Like, you can't just drive into the night and not tell any. That is so fucking cruel. Yeah. Then we get one of his um, co-workers saying that he was acting a little I love this whole sequence. This is my favorite part of the entire episode because the co-worker says I heard a court administrator make a comment that she thought that he was a little withdrawn. I don't know what that meant because he was a withdrawn person to her anyway. And literally, coworker Steve goes, well, I don't really know what that means because he just basically didn't like her. Yeah, I know Steve was like putting the kibosh on that whole thing. He's like, yeah, maybe he was. No, but he didn't like her. So (laughs) that's... So that's on Brenda. And so this is where the cops are saying like, oh, and also you guys, he's been at this gig for like 30 years. He's put a lot of really bad murderers away. Some of them are getting out of jail right now. So maybe it's that. Yeah. I was like, whoa. You knew that was a potential issue. He put an awful lot of people away into prison for homicides, which depending on their sentence, some of those people could have been coming back out on the street. So he he was a a prime target in in that sense. So I love this. April 16th, 2005 at 5 p.m. Christopher tells us Ray has been missing for close to 36 hours. Now, listen, I don't ever want people to go missing. But Christopher, it's only 36 hours. Sometimes on this show, they're like, they've been missing for nine days. Like, right. Because like they remember, they've already got like the helicopter up in the air. They've got the FBI involved. They've made a nationwide manhunt for this guy. 36 hours in a lot of these episodes is when they will take the original missing person. Exactly. Exactly. So on that. Oh, and then they say that like the sheriff holds a press conference, basically talking to Ray, being like, hey, Ray, um, we interrupt the program to ask you if you could kindly just come home. Yeah. And I was like, because they really honestly think that he just pulled a Ray and drove to a baseball game five states away. And I was like, can you imagine how angry two hours a day at the gym Patty would be if Ray just came waltzing through the door 36 hours later? Like, what I miss? Yeah. He's like, wait, 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 what are you guys doing outside a baseball game? You guys holding a press conference for me? You know it's opening night at the Indians football game. So, when I realized that they had, you know, put out an APB after 36 hours, I thought to myself, you know, I really feel like I should. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? Did you call? Did you call the cops out there? I should call the Belafonte Police Department. <laughs> so I called them and I was like, you know, I, I 
did my spiel and she said, what is this for? And I said, well, we're covering the Ray Greekar case. And she's like, oh, hold on. Let me transfer you to the chief. And so- <laughs> Did you get the chief? Yeah, I talked to the chief and he was very lovely. And he was basically, I think, covering and saying it's a case by case basis. He was saying like, no, we don't wait 72 hours. We don't wait 48 hours. We assess, are they taking prescription drugs? Are they doing all these things? I was like- Are they my friend? Yeah. yeah. I, I was like, you're just covering your tracks because you know full well you made a statewide search for your buddy, which is fine. I would make a statewide search for you too. I just don't have the power to do that. The thing is, I want to make a joke about how like, no, you wouldn't. You'd be glad to see me go. No, if you go missing, you want to be friends with Ellen because she is that bitch that will set up the hotline. <laughs> She'll set up the website and the Facebook page and an Instagram account with like certain close friends if you're on the Patreon. And then she would like, Ellen would be doing the ground search. Like she would for sure have the grid and all of that and be like, if you don't walk shoulder to shoulder through the woods, Ellen is going to be so fucking mad at you. <laughs> just all so scared of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, we would, I would be found soon, I feel like. I feel like you would. I, listen, I mean, you go live when I don't answer your FaceTime. Although That's this true. morning you didn't answer my text a couple times and I wrote, are you okay? I know. I know. It's so not yes. like you. I know. I'm always available to you, girl. So now it's 6.30 that night. The trooper was driving on Water Street in Lewisburg when he observed a red Mini Cooper. The trooper then ran the license plate, and in fact, it was Ray's. And 50 miles away from home, a trooper is driving to work, and he sees Ray's car, runs the plates, realizes that it's Ray's car. They describe that it's parked across the street from an antique store called Street of Shops. And I went, you guys, he went antiquing. I know. And then he ran away and started a new life with his new partner, Chad, and they collect antiques. (laughs) But then the ginger cop cannot bring himself to say antiquing. He goes, well, yeah, it would make sense that his car was there because of his enjoyment of looking at antiques. It made every sense in the world because of his enjoyment of looking at antiques. And that would have been a destination. It had been a destination in the past for him and Patty to come down here and to go into that shop. I feel like if you look antiquing up in the dictionary, the definition is enjoyment of looking at yeah. antiques. It's okay, Ginger Cop. Just say antiquing, girl. Just say I know, antiquing, the girl. Cop, like, you didn't like it. Call it antiquing. It was an enjoyment of antiques. <laughs> <laughs> so they look in the car and uh, immediately they're struck by the cigarette smoke that they find in the car. And everyone, everyone wants to tell us that Ray didn't smoke. And I was like, how yeah. do you all know? Maybe he needed a cigarette. Maybe when he and Chad got together on the weekends to go antiquing, he lived a different kind of life. Maybe he did. But they make another really good point where there was ash on the passenger side. Yeah. And then someone makes a really good point and says maybe they were talking to someone and they were leaning in the car. Yeah, that definitely is a bit fishy. My dad is not a smoker. It makes your mind believe that, you know, okay, there is indeed another person involved in this, and perhaps that person was smoking, and somehow he was threatening him, leaning over the car window and threatening him, or somehow talking to him near while he was near the car. Hang on, I have so much to say about this. His daughter, Lara, says this. Like, the, the, the daughter, Lara, floats the idea that somebody was threatening him and, like, was smoking a cigarette, like, reaching into the car to, like, threaten him and kill him. To which I said, wouldn't you finish the cigarette first? Like, isn't a cigarette kind of like a cocktail? Don't you, like, to, don't you enjoy it? You sort of, like, savor it and then you go do the murder? Like, for example, I'm not gonna, like, walk out of the gay bar Cosmo in tow and go kill a guy holding my drink. I'm gonna finish my drink. I'm gonna enjoy my right. cocktail. And then I'm going to kill the bitch. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have 
never known you to waste a cocktail. Never. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think this is interesting. I think that like finding an ash on the floor, it's a significant clue. Although they're very like quick to point out that the cigarette ash has no forensic value. Yeah. So we learned that the car was locked from the inside, but the keys were not in the car, but his work cell phone was in the car. Yeah. And I think the cell phone is pretty significant because like he's gone and it just means he's not coming back. Like if he didn't take his phone, obviously he doesn't want to be tracked. He's the DA. He knows you can track a cell phone. He's obviously not going to be making contact with anybody because he doesn't have his phone. So either, I mean, I think like this is where we can say it's pretty definitive like he's not off baseball gaming he's either like walked out of his life on purpose or like met with foul play they also found a bunch of cigarette butts outside the car on the passenger side and they run them all for DNA I was like I mean y'all are not leaving any stone unturned (laughs) but I was also like we are getting a real close close up of these fucking used cigarette butts and it made me I feel about cigarette butts the way you feel about people thinking soulmates exist. I just want to, <laughs> it just really makes me want to burn. They, they really did zoom on that a bunch of times. It was too, too close, too close. Meanwhile, we meet Ray's nephews. So Chris and Tony are from Ohio. They come in from Ohio to try to help the family. So they find out that the car was not far from the Susquehanna River. And this is where the brothers reveal to us that Ray's brother, Roy, more on that later, had died from suicide 10 years prior in a very similar way. My brother and I both thought at the time, here we go again. Uh, It sounds fairly similar to my uh, my father's disappearance, which was Ray's brother, Roy, uh, 10 years prior. My father's car was found uh, abandoned in a park next to a river uh, and a bridge. Flash forward to Ray's case, it was very similar. It was in a small parking lot uh, where his car was found uh, across from a park, uh, a river, and a bridge. Car was found near a bridge, near a body of water, and sadly, his body washed up in Dayton, Ohio. And we learned that Roy had suffered from depression and some other mental illnesses. I mean, like, we should slow down on how fucking crazy this is. Like, yeah. Because before they found Roy's body, he went missing. Right. He was considered, like, missing for several days. And so Tony is saying, like, oh my God, it's happening again. Two days later, his car was found uh, about 40 miles from where he lived. And uh, his body ended up turning up in the river uh, there in Dayton, Ohio, uh, a few days after that. The coroner ruled as a suicide. And so, like, I don't know. I mean, like, the double trauma of the family. Like, we get the sense that the family was really close. And it's all very sad. And so, like, to be reliving it. Because Tony is saying that, like, when my dad went missing before they found the body, the car was parked in a park by a bridge near a river. It's all the same shit. It's exactly. Like, it's the same exact thing with Ray. Ray's car was parked near a park, near a bridge, right by a river. So it's like. You know what I mean? Like the like the similarities are very weird. Right. And they made it a point to say that Ray had no diagnosed mental illness. But of course, we all know yeah. that that means nothing. So they start to dive into a little bit of Ray's behavior before he went missing. So Patty was like, well, he was napping more. About two weeks prior to his disappearance, I noticed that he was napping more. I said, in three years we lived together. I've never seen you nap so much at lunchtime and then after work. And he tried to brush it off. He said frequently, you know, work makes me tired. Patty, calm down! I'm mostly on your side. Not all of us go to the Y for two hours to work out every day, Patty. Yeah. Some of us need naps. And I was like, that 
can definitely be a sign of depression for sure. But I kind of like start to harken back to the John Glasgow case. Yeah. And we remember uh-huh. that his, remember the guy who liked his cats better than his wife? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And he was napping a lot. And I kind of was like, let the man nap. He's been working for 40 years. Like he's 60. Yeah. But you know, it's what I've been saying about his behavior being kind of suspicious. Like maybe he, like, you know, retiring from a high profile job after 20, 30 years is a big change, you know? Yeah. And like, he knows Patty's expectations that he's going to be quiet for the rest of his life. Right. So maybe he is a little like questioning his choices. Maybe he is a little sad about it. Like, I am not convinced this guy did not walk off on his own volition. I That's kind of what I think happened. Yeah, I'm not with you. I'm not with you on that one. I'll talk more. I'll talk more later, but I don't. Well, anyway, it's been really fun making this podcast with Ellen, I guess. Um <laughs> Click, 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 (laughs) click. That's me walking away. So they say that they looked into his medical records, which of course yields nothing. But they do make it a point to say that even if he was depressed, he probably would not be the type of man to seek treatment. And then I was like, huh, did he know my Um, (laughs) ex-husband? So You know, maybe they're in some like secret Mini Cooper club together. (laughs) Mini Coopers and we don't believe in therapy. Um, Another man who doesn't believe in mental health. Which, by the way, like your ex-husband would really benefit from therapy. As somebody who's been in therapy for a long time, I can tell you, he would really benefit from therapy. He literally used to say, want to go to to therapy? Walker, just go to the pub. I was like, oh my God, you're so right. Yes, alcohol will solve your problems. (laughs) Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Look, he doesn't not make a point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, yes. Alcohol is a depressant. Okay, anyway. So Sunday, April 27th, they're searching the Susquehanna River because they think that like maybe he died by suicide. And they're like, look, the river this time of year, it's fucking freezing cold. But they say how dangerous it is. And it's like a babbling brook. I was like, I no, they're like, I mean, he could have gotten pulled under. I have whitewater rafted the Nile and there are some peaceful parts of the Nile. OK, like they're like, oh, it was so dangerous. It was like it was it, it should have had like meditation music. I was like, could you guys get another shot of the river? That looks goddamn tranquil, if you ask me. Like, they're just like, get the shot. This doesn't look dangerous. Just get it. It's cold. It looks cold. This is, this is like the river bed. This is the, we should, it should be choppy and scary. No, it's good. Go get Panera for lunch. So the thing about it is, so now like witnesses are coming forward saying that they saw him the day that he went missing. And, you know, people are saying that they, a lot of people recognize the Mini Cooper. It was kind of like an unusual car for that place in time. One lady in Lewisburg where they found the car, uh, she was like, there was also a lady that reported that he parked the car. He was out of the car for a little while. He was back in the car. To some, it might appear that he was waiting for somebody. Yeah, I saw him in the Mini Cooper. I saw him get out of his car. I saw him get back into his car. Looked like he was maybe waiting for somebody. And I said, lady, mind your business. That's what, what are you, I would be the worst <laughs> eyewitness. I don't see shit. I know, I, have, I know. I have physically run into people on 8th Avenue. Actually run <laughs> into them because I don't pay enough attention. I know. What are you people all looking at? Like, mind your own <laughs> business. Or- I Or I need to pay more attention to shit because I would never notice anyone. I just have this image of like Jacqueline sitting on the park bench reading the paper being like just and like speaking out loud to herself being like, hmm, yeah, what's that fellow up to? And like crinkling the paper. Now she's really looking. He's getting out of his car. (gasps) He's getting back into his car. (laughs) Like I 
would never in a million years. I, I know, don't I know. notice anyone. You could be picking your nose next to me in the car. I'm not paying attention to you. I don't care. I know. I would be a horrible eyewitness. So we go back to the day before he went missing. Police determined that Ray took time off work Thursday, just as he did on Friday, the day he disappeared. There was an incident where he took half a day off. Hey, guess what he did that day, girl? He took half the day off. He took a half day! Ray, what is going on, girl? I know you've been doing this for 20 years and you only got eight months to go, but you still gotta go to work. Someone's gotta be the head law enforcement person in that town, girl. We've really misstepped here, you and I. We should have become a DA. We should have been DAs. But they, they just get days off. They just get days off. Just days. He had taken half the day off and he was apparently parked by a nearby marina because everybody knows where that red Mini Cooper is at all times. <laughs> and we get a little bit of surveillance. For no reason except for the fact that I love it. Yeah, and the surveillance catches him going into the courthouse at about six, coming out at about eight. And Christopher says... The tape doesn't shed any new light on the investigation. But the image of Ray, just 15 hours before he disappears, is an eerie one. It wasn't helpful, but it was eerie. I was like, great! Okay, yeah. (laughs) I know, I know. It was like, we got we got an extra 30 seconds to fill in this episode. Anybody have any ideas what we could do for that 30 seconds? Oh, 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 I have something. It's not super helpful, but it's eerie. Should we add it? <laughs> like I will say though, I love any like it's a surveillance video of this dude coming and going from his job. I I still love it. I still yeah. love it. Do we need this? No, not really. But it's eerie, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's eerie. So we should add it. Sure. <laughs> So now we get like a whole bunch of talk about like his work laptop and his home computer. And like basically what's happening is that he's coming to the end of his career and he's he wants to like erase his hard drives. The explanation uh, that he provided to her, which then she provided us, is that he wanted to clean the county laptop off of any personal stuff and work product that didn't need to be there any longer when he retired, which was going to be in months. Okay, okay, but he's eight months away from his uh-huh. he's not, it's not like two weeks he's right. still gotta go to work which apparently he doesn't do anymore but <laughs> no I totally agree with you and also I also feel like erasing a hard drive in any regard is a little bit weird but like they're just like a lot of people are saying it was no big deal it was kind of normal he also was making no secret about it like he was asking around the office right. how to like erase his work hard drive but this becomes a thing because everybody's like oh wait he also has a work laptop that he keeps at home. And that's when Patty's like, oh, right, let me go get it. He never, like, takes it with him if he's not going to work. And she goes to find it, and it's gone. So that day that he was going antiquing, he took his work laptop with him. Yeah, and I wrote, why did he take his work laptop with him? And then I didn't say anything else. Like, I was just, like, (laughs) thinking out loud. I know, and they never give us anything. We don't know why he would have taken it with him, except for the fact that, like, we know he's trying to, like, destroy or erase the hard drives of his computers for some reason. Right, but they also also search his home computer and his home computer gave some weird information. He had Google mapped the path from right. Belfont to Lewisburg and everyone was like, 
he drove that route all the time. Like, why would he need directions there? So maybe he was going somewhere specific. Maybe he hadn't been to that antique shop before. Like, well, but the other thing too is that like maybe because like MapQuest back in the day would would still give you like the estimated time. Right. Oh. Maybe he was checking traffic. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't like, think it did traffic back then. I think it did driving time, but it didn't. It didn't GPS traffic how it does now. But maybe he wanted the time. Yeah. 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 So, but it, but that was definitely really weird. So basically what like what happens is that like really nothing happens. Months and months are going by and all of a sudden there's like because it's like a nationwide like search for him, there are sightings of him all over the place. And they say there's this one really promising lead a thousand miles away at a restaurant in Texas. They say restaurant, it's actually a Burger King. But this lady thinks that she sees him. She takes pictures with her cell phone and we see the pictures. And I was about to text you like they found him. Like that's yeah. definitely him. It really, really does look like him. And they say that the FBI takes the pictures and they're able to say based on like facial features that it's not. I was like, that's not really good enough for me, you guys. Like these pictures really, really look like him. Yeah. Good on that woman for like whipping out her camera in like 2005. I know. But tell me, girl, tell me this. How did this lady know about him? Like, how did this lady know this guy's story? And not only like know about his case, it's one thing to know the name of a missing person. Like if you listen to podcasts, you would, but to know what they look like. Like, enough to be like, that looks like that guy. I'm going to take a picture. That's crazy. Yeah. And also, why were you looking around the restaurant? I don't look at anyone around me. <laughs> like, know. clearly, this is more of a me issue than other people issue because you, you could have a lineup and say, who did you just eat dinner next to you for an hour? And I'd be like, I, I don't know. I don't pay attention to anyone. I, I feel like this ties back to the proximity theory, girl. You're never going to find your soulmate if you're not out there looking for him. Soulmates don't exist. So... <laughs> We just put that to bed and I'm like, no, well that, but we found him though. Like that was him. I agree. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, it's him. And they said it wasn't. And I was like, explain how. I'll tell you this too. Like, cause I was going to say like, if I were her, I would have gone up to him and been like, hi, are, like your family's looking for, are you such and such a person? There's a missing persons case that I am utterly obsessed with. This kid named Ian Burnett. I've got a Google alert for it. I have like for years, I'm like obsessed with this case. And there were like, sightings of him in New York City and one day I walked down the street and I thought I saw him and I like went back to like look again yeah. and it was a person standing outside of like a homeless shelter and I was like oh my god I think that that's him and I just stood there and kind of stared at him and then I was too scared to go and ask if it was him <laughs> so I didn't but like seeing those pictures I mean I was pulling out my phone to be like oh my god twist they found him yeah yeah, no, totally. Anyway. So July 30th, we're back at the Susquehanna River in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. And just cutting to all chases, a fisherman finds his laptop. But right. the hard drive is actually taken out of the laptop. The laptop really became just a, another useless piece. Uh, other than it did say that somebody had some motivation to destroy the computer. In this particular model computer, it's fairly difficult to remove the hard drive. And if the laptop were thrown in the river, the hard drive wouldn't have just tumbled out. And they're able to deduce that the hard drive was deliberately taken out because of the model of the hard drive. There's no way it fell out or it didn't deteriorate while it was in the water. Yeah. So that's when the theory of maybe they're leaning more towards foul play. Because if he went missing on purpose, why would he, why wouldn't he just take his laptop to wherever he was going? Why didn't he just take it to that burger? King in Texas and leave it there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like bury it in the woods. Why would he leave it in such a like deliberate place to be found? Yeah. And 
And then, like, two and a half months later, they find the fucking hard drive. Like, these they oh, say... But, 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 please, please don't. Please don't skip over who found the hard drive. I was just going to say, you interrupted me. On a fall day, along the banks of the Susquehanna River, two stone skippers find a hard drive a hundred yards upstream from where Ray's laptop was fished out. Two stone skippers found the hard drive. <laughs> I just, I, can I, I have some follow-up questions? Please. <laughs> um, is that a job? And um, if so, is there medical? Um, is there is there a retirement plan? Do they offer a 401? Do you get dental? Is there a stone skipper union? Right. Um, two stone skippers? Stone skippers. They're like, what's your name? Uh, Josh and Brian. And uh, what do you do? Uh, we're, uh, we're, uh, we were, we're, sto- we're stone, stone skippers. Stone skippers. <laughs> like, what is that code I for? I know. I cannot get over the authority by which Christopher said, said two stone, stone skippers. <laughs> like, bitch, that's not okay. I know. <laughs> But they find the hard drive and they, you know, like long story short, they're not able to get anything off of it. Like it's been so damaged and corroded. They send it to the FBI. They send it to fucking NASA and they can't get anything off of it. We've made so many things waterproof. I know. Everything from mascara to phone cases to backpacks. Do you know there's waterproof paper? Is there? There's waterproof paper. And you mean to tell me we cannot make a waterproof hard drive or computer? Why is it if I get the slightest drop of water on my phone, it's done, Zoe? I I was like, did did NASA try putting it in rice? Do you want to put it in rice? Maybe the hard drive will... No? Okay. I mean, you know, and the way this just ends is that they say that, like, over the years, they try to do... They release new information that they'd been holding back to sort of keep the case alive. There's, like, some idea that he was actually going out there to the antique store to meet another woman. Patty doesn't really buy it. The other cops don't really buy it. But that's it. It just ends, like, years and years later. There's, like, literally no hide nor hair of this man. You know, and we find out weird things in the end. Like he had Googled how to destroy a hard drive. And there's this weird, did you get this too? There's this weird part of the, of the episode at the very end that's obviously added on. Like yeah. it sounds, the audio is different. Where Christopher's talking about how like he had like been aware of the Jerry Sandusky like sex abuse allegations before it blew up and he like didn't file charges. Yeah. So maybe there was some revenge involved there, but like no one, there's no evidence of anything. Like he's just gone. Yeah. So in the summer of 2011, his daughter, Lara, declared her dad legally deceased. I'm sure that's so they could, you know, move on with the um, estate and things. So I find some interesting information from a Pennsylvania reporter by the name of Wallace McKelvey. He has a really, really extensive and comprehensive essay on it. Um, He had some really good points to make. He said how in 1996, when his brother Roy had died by suicide, Ray had served as the main facilitator and he's the one who like coordinated all the local police and provided statements to the media. So I guess he was sort of alluding to the fact that like Ray took an emotional toll for his brother. 
brother dying, but also kind of like yeah. learned a lot maybe about how to do those. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, if you want to research that, he it's on um, a site called penlive.com. He's got some really great points. So, I mean, basically on and everything I read, it really ping pongs back between homicide and, you know, dying by suicide. And they don't have any answers. And these are the stories that just break my heart when just the family doesn't know. And, you know, Patty still lives in the same home that they shared together. I know. And, yeah, I don't know. So if any, I just, I wish that family, you know, closure and peace and hopefully they found a way to move on. Say something funny. You're my soulmate. <laughs> no, we're friends because we went to the same college. <laughs> it's the proximity theory. Look it up. <laughs> You guys, we did disappear in season three, episode nine. Where is he? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. If you want more Ellen and me, if you want to hear us talk about murder and recap Snap, these crazy ladies who kill people. Yeah, at least these people aren't going missing. We know what they did. We know how they did it. They're all in jail. There's no question marks at the end of our sentences on the Patreon. And I got to say, these episodes are really funny because I think the show is a little bit ridiculous. And we kind of just like, it's kind of like this, but we kind of get even crazier, if you can imagine. Anyway, join us on the Patreon. It's Three full bonus episodes every month, plus trivia. We are doing Zoom trivia for everybody at the $5 level or above. It's going to be super community, super fun. Make new true crime friends. Hang out with Ellen and I for who knows how long trivia is going to go. I imagine it's going to go on for a long time. I say we cut it off when we see daylight. I feel like we should make that (laughs) rule. That works for me. That works. Patricia, the sun's coming up. Okay, good night, everybody. (laughs) Good night. Um, tell them about the Facebook group, girl. Join the Facebook group. We have so much fun. It's the Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. We're in there all the time. We love seeing your smiling faces. We love you trolling us. We love your artwork. It's just a great time. And, you know, during this difficult time, it's just nice to connect with some like-minded people. And it's pretty fun. A very supportive group. I love you guys. Yeah, join us on Instagram as well. It's the Disappeared Pod. Every Friday night, we go live. We call it Friday Night Live. Oh, that's the other thing you get on the Patreon, you guys. If you can't make it to Friday Night Live to watch us live in person, we release it as a podcast on Monday morning. So you actually get to like listen to the Friday Night Live shenanigans. I have yet to listen to that. How is it? It's good. It's good. I love making it. I put it out every Monday morning. And it's like, I mean, sometimes it's a little, like you guys, we definitely we give away more of ourselves in Friday Night Live than we do anywhere. Oh else. yeah. It's we <laughs> generally we come to Friday Night Live after spending the whole day together on Friday recording that episode. And then we have like an yeah. hour to ourselves and then we just come back and we're just we're hankering for an argument or something. But imagine on like the one Friday a month that we do trivia, it's gonna be a full day of recording, and then Friday Night Live, and then trivia. So trivia is going to be off the rails. Yeah, we should have rethunk that. And yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we love you guys. We love you so much. Uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Maybe. Bye. Bye. Bacon, egg, and cheese on an everything bagel. I wonder if you know anybody who lives in a region of the country where Duncan is prevalent who enjoys a, a, a meal like that. Um. Sharon. Sharon, don't please. You know you can't interrupt our recording. I heard someone talking about donkeys. <laughs> Sharon, it's called Dunkin' Donuts. Don't talk about my religion. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts is not a religion, Sharon. It is the way I do it. Same. Hey, Sharon, we just found the first thing we have in common. Which is what? That donkeys is our religion. <laughs> 
Patrick says donkeys is his religion too. Is that the creep magnet with the beard? Okay, you know what? You guys, I don't know what you two have against each other. It's, I don't want to be in the middle anymore. I just wanted Patty to say- and Ray, oh, by all means. <laughs> C- carry on, please. I, uh, uh, far be it from this woman to step on a man's toes. Keep talking. <laughs> so- <laughs> but also, she says that she leaves him a glass of orange juice, and I went, ooh, acidic. Wait, can I just tell you what I said when she, you said Patty likes it quietly? What? I just imagine them having sex and her being like, oh, that's quite good. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, I like that. Mm. Oh, what are you doing there? <laughs> oh, yeah, I quite like that as well. Oh, you're a stallion. I made a note that just said, "What? what's a day off, girl? I know. <laughs> what's delegating responsibility? Patrick's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll edit it. I'll do the marketing. I'm going to start a new podcast. I'm going to do another one. I need another one. It just made me think of the one time, like I, the one time I like got onto the subway holding Daisy, like when she was a baby and I was so exhausted and it was a packed one train. And I just looked at this lady sitting down. I'm holding my baby and I went, can you get up for me and my baby? And she did. And it was Tina Fey. Uh, I yelled at Tina Fey on the subway. She was, oh my God, of course, of course. And she jumped. Is that real? Yes, that's a true story. Sometimes you lie. <laughs> 